Hi, this is Pastor Tom Holliday. I want to welcome you to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We are in week nine together of our look at the book of Genesis. So we're heading towards an end, 10 weeks because of the 50 chapters that we're going to be looking at this book since we're looking at a chapter a day. Today, week nine, the beginning of it, we're going to look at chapter 41. And in chapter 41, we're continuing to focus on the story of Joseph and how God worked in his life. Remember, last week we talked together about the fact that Joseph, even as God was accomplishing the dream that he had, he was raising him to the second highest leader in Egypt, we saw in Joseph's life wisdom and humility and tenacity and gratitude. Those are reflected in the verses that show us how Joseph's story really begins to end in chapter 41. I'd like to read for you a good solid section of scripture to begin our study this week because it puts everything we're going to talk about in context. It's the story of Joseph and what God did. The Bible tells us in chapter 41, verse 1, let me read verses 1 to 16. The Bible says, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Skipping down to verse 8, In the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told him his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them for us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought up from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. In verse 16, he says, Joseph says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to the Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. So Pharaoh tells this dream to Joseph that it happened, and down in verse 28, here's what Joseph has to say to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming through the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. His plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So here is this moment When Joseph's dream comes true, the dream that he would be a ruler, the dream that he would rule even over his brothers, as we're going to see later, that many would bow down to him. Here it is. He's gotten the dream. 
So what happens when you get the dream? Do you just sit back by the pool and enjoy it? No, once you get the dream, you have to begin to manage the dream. You have to begin to live the dream. Once you get the dream, you begin to realize immediately dreams are a lot of work. You get the dream of being married to someone. Dreams are a lot of hard work. You get the dream of having a child and they come into your life. Dreams are a lot of hard work. You get the dream of starting this wonderful ministry and God raises you to a position of beginning a new ministry and you get a lot of notice and all of a sudden you realize dreams are a lot of hard work. Now, you can have the dream to start a Microsoft, but once you build the company, it's a lot of hard work. And there are many, there are many who stumble at the point of managing a God-given dream. In the Bible, you can read about people like Gideon or Solomon who stumbled at managing the dream that God had given. And what I want to say to you these next few weeks is don't be a victim of victory in your life. Don't be a victim of all the good things that God brings into your life. Victory in our lives can cause us to become prideful. And because of that, victory has a long string of victims. We, we become so caught up in our own importance or in the importance of the dream that we're living that we forget what's really important. We become so intent on reaping the benefits of the dream that we stop sowing. In these chapters that we're going to look at this week in Genesis, there are seven qualities that make us great managers of God-given dreams. We're going to look at them over uh, these next few days, even the next few weeks, but the first three of them are here in this chapter that we've just read. What is it that makes you a great manager, a great person who lives out a God-given dream? Well, number one, dream managers develop discipline. That's exactly what Joseph is going to do. He's going to gather grain for seven years. He becomes a model of discipline. He gathered grain when there was an abundance in the land. How was he a model of discipline? He did two or three things. One, he worked when he wasn't pressured to work. He didn't have to gather grain. He had enough food for that day. But he worked when he wasn't pressured to work. That's, that's a model of discipline. Number two, he collected consistently over those seven years. Not a little here and then took a couple years off and a little more. Every year for seven years he collected. And the third thing he did is he continued to gather even after it seemed like he had too much. All the storehouses were full. He could have said, well, job's done. I'm going to go take a vacation. No, he built more storehouses because he knew what God had told him to do. He was a model of discipline. And dream managers, when God's given you a dream and you begin to live it out, you have to develop discipline. Second thing you see in Joseph's life here is that dream managers choose service. They choose to serve others. In chapter 41, verse 57, we didn't read it earlier, the Bible tells us that all countries began to turn to Joseph and to Egypt, recognizing that's how they were going to be fed during this famine. All countries. He became in charge of feeding the world. All these people, all of that responsibility, all that time given to feeding people. And Joseph, there, there must have been a moment when he said to himself, I didn't ask for this, but he did. He did. He prayed that the dream that God had put into his heart would become real. And when it became real, he had to begin to live out all that that dream demanded of him. Your dreams, a God-given dream, is always going to demand service. God gives dreams that demand that we serve others because that's what he dreams for us. Jesus came to serve. He wants us to serve. Dream managers choose service. There's no doubt that this dream that God has given into your life, whether it's in a relationship or it's in a ministry or it's a job, this dream that God has given into your life means you're going to be able to serve others through that dream. There's a third thing that we're reminded of in these verses. 
not just that dream managers develop discipline and choose service, but number three, dream managers remember who owns the dream. Let me read for you, beginning in verse 50, what happens in Joseph's life. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in the world. I want you to notice in those verses that Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, they're going to become important to the history of Israel, very important later. But right here, they are important to the history of Joseph's life. He names one Manasseh, which means causing to forget. He names the other Ephraim, which means God has caused me to remember to be fruitful in the land of of my affliction. He is saying, even in the names of these two sons, God is with me. When Pharaoh said, do you have an interpretation for the dream? Joseph said, I don't, but God does. He never forgot from beginning to end, that it was God's dream. Let me ask you this question about the dream that God has put into your life. If your dream were to be fulfilled, whose victory would it be? Would it be yours or would it be God's? When when God fulfills a dream in my life, in your life, you have to be very, very careful of what I call the subtle transfer of ownership. All of a sudden, because I'm now living it out, it's no longer God's dream. It's my dream, and I can do with it what I want. Joseph didn't do that. He managed the dream because he never forgot who owned the dream. Let's take a moment to talk to him. Let's talk to the Lord. Our Father, we thank you for the dreams that you put into our lives, dreams of relationships that please you and dreams of ministries and businesses that bring you honor in the way that they are conducted, and dreams, Lord, of the things that you want to do in and through our own lives. Some of them other people will notice, others of them only we will know about. Thank you for the dreams that you put into our hearts. And with those dreams, always help us, always help us to choose discipline, to choose service, to choose to recognize every moment of that dream, that you are the one who is the giver of that dream. Help us to recognize you in the dreams that you've given, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Join us tomorrow. We're going to continue to learn how to manage a God-given dream. 